Hey everyone, hey and welcome back to yet another episode of Alpha Metallica. This is your host, Tom Quee here. We are going through the entire ordinance, the catalogue, the archive of Metallica. You know, I often think when people listen to this podcast, maybe someone's listened to this podcast in 2030, which isn't that far away. It's as close as 2006 is to now, if you want to compound it into those weird terms. You know, where are Metallica going to be? Are they inevitably going to be retired? Are you looking back? Like, I listen to a lot of band podcasts. Van Halen, Dave and Dave Unchained, I've mentioned before, is one of my favourite all-time music podcasts. This is incredible, you know, deep diving. A band that, okay, they're still active to a certain extent. They tour erratically, but they're not the monolith that Metallica are. So, um... Yeah, if you listen to it now, in real time, or if you listen to it in the future, thanks so much. And today we are going through a cover of the band. Um, we are going through Killing Time. And it's not going to be just myself. Killing Time with me is James. How's it going, man? How's it going? Thanks for having me. And, you know, eagle-eyed Alpha Metallica fans will know that James was on beforehand. And that was a really fun episode. We tackled the Orion Music Festival, right? Yep. Today we're getting into Killing Time, and just before we do, obviously, you know, support the show uh, at Metallica Pod. Um, get in touch with MetallicaPod at gmail.com. We've got some great emails to get into as well. Patreon is there. Uh, you know, I, I, I flog the Patreon every episode, but I don't have a damn covers EP to shill. Though I will be having some merch in the future, shout out MUYP. But uh, yeah, but listen to a lot of Guns N' Roses. And in some bad hackneyed uh, segue here, I'm going to do a review of Appetite for Destruction. I've been listening to the Guns N' Roses so much the last two weeks or so, reading Mick Wall's book and just absolutely indulging myself in this band that I adore. So, yeah, I know there's been a million of these online, but it, like, it feels like something within me. I just need to talk about Appetite for Destruction at length. So uh, I'm going to release that soon. going to probably record that this weekend. Uh, so that will be on the Patreon. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes. But, um, James, give us a little recap of your introduction to Metallica quickly. Like, how did that how did that go? Um, it was, I mean, the first time I heard them was one on Guitar Hero. Mm. And that that kind of sealed the deal. Yeah. Um, pretty much hearing that heavy part was, that was all I needed. And from there, I pretty much kind of just explored the band on YouTube. Um, going back through, hearing most of the stuff from the Black Album and the hits. And then from there, diving into the more obscure stuff and... Mm. Pretty much finding out that I like that a lot more, you know, your your hidden gems like Dyer's Eve, Damaging, mm. all that fun stuff. Oh my god, yeah, you just named two incredible tracks. Just get to two emails before we get into the main song uh, by Sweet Savage. First one comes from Mark Ferguson. Uh, Mark was just on the show recently. He says, hey Tom, hope you're doing well. Question about the pod. Have you ever considered playing the weekly song at the top or maybe the end of the show, then discussing it? Because you and a guest talk about the song in varying levels of detail, it could help the listener if they get a fresh listen. When you say the riff underneath the second solo is a masterclass, for a dedicated but not super diehard true exclusive fan like myself, I can't grab that reference when I haven't heard a particular song in six months, you know what I mean? Anyway, you've probably already considered this, but I thought I'd pass along the observation. I'm curious if you're obligated to pay licensing fees to play the song on your show. If so, I can imagine it's probably not too expensive. It's probably too expensive, sorry. Matt, like your podcast and let's play clips, but I have no idea if they play, pay for their clips or not. Love the show as always. Cheers, Mark. Thank you again, Mark. Um, it boils down to pure laziness, to be honest with you. Um, nothing more than that. Like, I'm sure I can play the songs. My good friend Sam Wiles, who the music video series with, he has a Paul McCartney pod. He always plays the songs. His episodes are, like, so long because he'll play, like, pretty much the entirety of McCartney 2, uh, which I was on with him. That was a great episode. Incredible second solo album, Post Wings album by McCartney. Yeah, definitely listen to that. You know, he plays a lot of clips and that and stuff like that. And obviously, Metal Podcast and everyone else does as well. But, yeah, I can't really be bothered to 
I guess if I was doing it really delicately, I would put it in after each thing and, you know, have the example and again, have the main playthrough at the start. Yeah, maybe in the future. I guess I encourage the show ultimately to be a companion piece. Like, yeah, I can do that. But yeah, you can also set up a Spotify playlist. I kind of used to do one. Uh, just listen to it, you know, on your iPad, on your vinyl, whatever, and listen to the album in tandem if possible. But I know that isn't ideal when you're on the bus and stuff like that. Yeah, thank you, Mark. And the final email comes from Bruno. Bruno was also on the show. I believe myself and Bruno did Frantic back in the day. Um, that was a really cool episode. He says, Hi Tom, I'm listening to the podcast as always, and I thought I should contribute some thoughts on the beast of a song that I think Jump of the Fire Jump in the Fire is. As you know, this is one of the songs brought by Mustaine, and you can sort of hear it, especially in the verse riff, in my opinion. The original lyrics Dave Mustaine wrote are just awful and so funny. Moving my hips in a circular way, just forward a bit. This is Dave. Put your body into my waist and see, feel how good it fits. And there's a job to be done and I'm the one. So yeah, anyways, I pointed that out because I just love the lyrics James wrote, written as the devil. You can tell it was written by a 20-year-old, but they are still so good and fun to sing. They hit very high notes from time to time during the verses and the come on, which give him some trouble live nowadays. Another thing to point out, as you surely know, is that hi-hat rhythm accompanied in the choruses are based on the intro of Run to the Hills. There is that video of Lars with the guys listening to the song in a tuning room, and as he practices the hi-hat 16 note pattern, he says that it was written while Run to the Hills was the big single. It works for the song. Anyways, Tom, keep up the good work. Hope to talk to you again someday. Cheers. Uh, thank you again, Bruno. Uh, what are your thoughts, James, on that song? Um, It's decent. I'm mm. not the, the biggest fan of Kill em All, and some of those tracks are... Okay. Uh, I say a little, little less fresh in my mind. I mean, mm. the main riff, of course, for me is a classic. Yeah. Uh, but the rest of the song is, I say, kind of a blur. I'm talking of kind of a blur. Are you much of a fan of Sweet Savage? Because there's a lot of bands that Metallica have covered, and they're probably one of the more obscure. Um, I can say, unfortunately, not the going back and listening to Metallica's cover of them is the very first time I've ever even heard of the band. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll have to dive back into them. The before, before doing the episode, I, of course, went in and listened to Metallica's cover and then their original. Hmm. And, you know, between the two, I honestly can't pick a clear a clear winner. I like the production and the sound of both of them. But, I mean, Sweet Savage is, they, their overall sound definitely makes me want to go and listen to more of their discography. It's a real faithful cover, isn't it? It is. It's, uh, yeah, <laughs> their, their production seems pretty similar in terms of how they kind of captured the original. Um, I mean, I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan on the way of the way it sounds. It's like almost with Kill 'Em All was pretty much just had better production to it. Mm, mm. You, you can see the, in, the, the influence is so clear, isn't it, with those early compositions? Oh yeah, I mean, this their cover sounds like it could be right off of Kill 'Em All. Yeah, the first yeah. thing, first thing I noticed when I listened to it. I mean, the way it cra- um, cra- the way it crashes into the main riff with the song, you know, the drums behind it, the use of gaps and pausing and space and and proportion. It's very traditional. And it is an, it's it's crazy. This song came out in 1981. It's thrashy as hell. Yeah, yeah. It was that was kind of the weird thing listening back to it because I the first time I heard it, I wasn't I wasn't familiar with it at all. I just listened to it as a song, and mm. I mean, I was super impressed. And then going back and kind of doing research into the song, I had no clue it was written this early. Yeah. Um, you know, before I thought it was something that might have come out like around the around Kill 'Em All or maybe post that they had covered, but yeah, I mean, I'm super super impressed by the original artist mm. and i love in the uh metallica version it pretty much starts with silence if you're listening on bad speakers or as i was with laptop speakers you might not hear lars counting it might just be a sort of long pause following whatever song in the shuffle and then it comes in it has an element of surprise oh yeah i mean 
kind of the way the main riff just kicks off. Hmm. Uh, I mean, it starts out decently fast and heavy, and then when it really kicks in, that's when it that's when the song really takes off for me. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, the riff is is familiar. Um, it, it's pedal points. It's this kind of guitar playing that is like in the classic Mickey Rourke film, The Wrestler. You know, it has that uh, element to it. It just has this sort of familiarity. I guess you'd say killer allness, even though that's a bit of a time-wise wrong reference. It's that kind of stripper music to a certain extent uh, with triads. But um, yeah, the whole thing, it's, um, it's very died in the wall, but it's satisfying. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's it has like this kind of weird energy that just gets you going like right from the start. Uh, like for me, like I, I was went back and listened to a few of the tracks off of Garage Inc. And this is the one, the, one of the ones I've never really, I haven't explored this album mm. too much. And this is one of the ones I kind of went back. You know, I mean, I know the classics from Garage, like Am I Evil, Turn the Page, right. Die Die My Darling, all those. But I never really gave this one the time of day until, I mean, a few a few days ago. And then uh, post when you first asked me about to. Um, kind of pick out a song and come on the show about and this was kind of a clear winner between them first hearing mm. I was like wow can't believe I skipped over this <laughs> and, and what's cool is that, that that riff's going down but um, you know Kirk's explorations on this song are awesome and early on the sort of the harmonics there's the squeals the accompaniment's great oh yeah his kind of Kirk's um, like backing guitars too mm. yeah just um I mean, he he follows the riff spring pretty well. Really well. Those those extra little touches to it. Mm -hmm. And the the gang choruses as well of killing time. You know, it's just it's such a throwback, really. And they're quite a controversial band, Sweet Savage. And are you aware of the controversy in the lyrics of this song originally? Um, I believe they they had the N word in it. Correct. They did. Did. That's what I heard when I was going back through it, but um, I didn't really look into the into the band too much because um, I went back and read the Metallica lyrics of it, but I couldn't mm. find where they had switched it out. Yeah, you can you can find it. Unfortunately, um, I think they that was the original, and then Metallica covered it, and then the sort of re-release that came following Metallica uh, incorporated something else. But yeah, uh, it it does have that word. And Metallica replaced it for uh, Kill a Kid with a Switchblade Knife. Um, so, yeah, a bit unfortunate there. <laughs> but in terms of the, you know, success it gave the band, it's so cool. I always say this, but I'm always going to say it for every, every episode. It's so great that, you know, Metallica loved these bands, of course. They're a huge influence, it's clear, uh, implicitly. But still, they're gifting them a, a, a royalty bomb. Oh, yeah. yeah. When the they... I mean, I'm sure a lot of people probably have never heard of no. the band until Metallica. I, you know, any, yeah. I'm, I'm one, one, one of Hell them yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the original actually has a real sort of um, Mustaine snarl to the delivery. Um, I, I quite dig it. But yeah, I agree. There's not much um, between them. Kirk's definitely um, better here. And this was um, this was part of the Unforgiven single. Yep. That's it's weird trying to listen listen back to it. I do you know when they when they recorded the song? No, um, no. Because it's the production definitely doesn't sound like black the black no. album production. And that's what I was listening back when I found out I was on the Unforgiven single. That's where I was trying to figure out when they when they recorded. They mm. um 
I mean, in terms of like the, the overall sound, I mean, it sounds like it's something that would have been around the time of like lightning or puppets, but Hetfield's voice definitely sounds closer to Justice or the Black Album. Yeah, they well, they were playing it since March fourteenth, nineteen eighty two. They're playing it back with Cliff. Oh yeah, that's one song. If they uh, hopefully they bring it out. I know the last time they played, I think was at the Fillmore. Mm-hmm. I when they did their um, when they did their thirtieth anniversary, and it looks like it played a few times in between there as well. Yeah, I mean it's on Quebec Magnetic. That's right. With uh, with a frayed ends intro, really cool performance. Um, James tries to get them, tries to stop them with the, uh, with the, ooh, you know, it's Rob with the gang vocals as well on top of that. Uh, and he says uh, in the video, it's uh, part of the set, they're at the part of the set towards the end, where they pay tribute to the bands that inspired them to pick up and play, and tonight's band is Sweet Savage. And, you know, they uh, they went in there, produced by Bob Rock and Hetfield and Ulrich, apparently, so that dates it somewhat. Uh, Randy Starb as the engineer, but um, recorded the same time as So What, apparently, as well. But it's not its not earth-shattering. I think we're going to cover better covers. We've covered better covers. It's certainly not bad. It's its fascinating. But I wouldn't... I, I don't know. I mean, you rank it highly. Um, out of the ones I've listened to, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's as high as, the, for me, as some of the more well-known ones. Yeah. When, it was, when I went back and first listened to it, it was, it was a breath of fresh air. Um for me with listening to Metallica mm. in terms of the, in terms of the covers. Um, I mean, some of my, like my top ones are, I mean, he, I mean, he tried turned the page, mm. uh, but then last caress and die, die, my darling. Those are, those are some of the other ones that are really up there for me. Um, but this was kind of nice and nice. Um, just a nice listen to see how you could definitely tell how kill Maul was influenced. And then especially listening to the original, you could, I mean, there's clear influence on James's voice oh, yeah. um, from there for sure. Um, I mean, you can definitely tell it's kind of, you know, he definitely seems like he definitely got some influence from Sweet Savage vocalist. Yeah, and of course, as always, uh, at Metallica Pod, we ask for your feedback. What do you think of the song? Uh, just one response this episode from Alex Finney. Shout out to Alex as always. He's a great friend of the show, a patron, awesome guest as well. Uh, we actually covered Die Die My Darling. That was a really fun episode. I think it's like number 30 on, so uh, yeah, quite an early one. But he calls it a breakneck thrasher with small but brilliant fl- flourishes by Kirk between James's menacing lyric delivery, Lars is deep in the pocket, keeping time, and playing exactly what is needed. Six solo, only have three minutes and three seconds to thrash. This the song. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's right. I I, yeah, sums it up perfectly. Yeah. Um, any, uh, any closing thoughts on uh, Killing Time? Um, it's not really pretty much covered everything. Hmm. I just mostly it's, I'm a huge fan of just the production overall. It's, yes. it's Kill em All was kind of stepped up a notch. I mean, the guitar tones, I think are a little, little chunkier yeah. and it's, I mean, for me overall, almost perfect in terms hmm. of, in terms of the sound. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's a perfect sort of cinematic scoop, the rawness, uh, you know, just the, the tension in it is just awesome. The way it builds, it does have a lot of qualities. Again, as always happens, the more I talk about the song in the episode, the more uh, warmth I grow towards it. But um, yeah, no, this is uh, this has been an interesting discussion, nonetheless. Please down below, let us know, share the episode, you know, comment. What do you think about Killing Time? Um, we've got some cool stuff coming up with the show as well. Um, I'm pretty sure that we have King Nothing next, actually. So that should be a really fun episode. 
and then um, what else are we going into? <laughs> We're going into the L's. We've got Leper Messiah, uh, Lords of Summer, Lover Man, and Low Man's Lyric. That's how the next month or so looks on the show. Um, did we go over your the sort of general questions in the last episode? I do forget, James. Um, I don't believe so. No, probably not, actually. I, I tend to not go into those and trying to keep them for the main guest. So, um, yeah, I mean, Metallica Song, what's your favourite? Ah, uh, that's always the the dreaded question. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I mean, it's the the cop I answered the song that got me into them. One, yeah. Um, that's like the answer I hate giving because it's like, oh, you know, your stereotypical favorite song answer. Mm. But I mean, from there, I mean, there's a, a huge amount that I love. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'd say like second to that. You know, I've that's my my mainstay favorite. But then it kind of depends on the mood. But Blackened, that's mm. uh something about that riff and then the uh the double bass after when the riff kicks back in after that first chorus just it hits hard mm. um and then some of the lesser known ones i mean my friend of misery is probably yeah. another one of my favorites okay well what about album um changes changes on the mood as well <laughs> probably between uh between puppets and justice mm. um I think for me personally, I like more of the songs off of Justice, but I think Puppets is, of course, a much better album in terms of the way it flows. Right. Um, that's pretty pretty much it. That's kind of the basic stuff. I'm not really as a Metallica hater in terms of their albums, um, minus Lulu, of course. Right. You don't like <laughs> give Lulu a chance. I I tried. Wow. I think I got through two songs, and I. I just couldn't do it. Check Junior Dad out. It's actually the longest song on the album, but it's probably the best one. Uh, give that a chance if you get a chance. But uh, I appreciate that, man. No. Um, so, uh, favorite member? Um, I would say just Metallica. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, starting out is probably probably Kirk because uh, I mean I mean I love guitar solos, playing mm. fast. He was the one that kind of influenced me with starting out guitar. Um, but then going down, of course good old papa head just the master um but then kind of a as a third answer more of not necessarily the technical side but lars mostly for his i guess his contributions and not necessarily in terms of the musical aspect but the more the business and how he was able to i mean push the band to like superstardom um in terms of the business end i could definitely respect that a lot have you seen the band live Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I just saw I think my either ninth and tenth or tenth and eleventh show Damn. last week when they were in um, Pittsburgh and Penn State or State College. What's what's, um, what's the best of those you've seen? Best show. Mm. That's a tough one. Um, the for me almost I might have to say the first Orion Fest when they played Ride the Lightning. Okay. Only because I got to hear Escape, mm-hmm. first and only time. So that definitely, that's uh, yeah. that one. It's close. Um, it's hard. They're all. I mean, save a first ride festival during my friend of misery when Hetfield split the crowd and had um, had you know one half singing one part of the uh, that middle section and then the other half singing the other part. Hearing that live and hearing you know twenty thousand people kind of sing that back was insane. Jesus, I've not seen that. Is that is that on film? Of course, it is. It's oh my god! It's one of the coolest things I've ever been a part of. Mm. Um, um, I but then of course like the ones they're doing now with 
hardwired. I enjoy those. Um, I think I've seen four shows so far in this tour. And so, um, I mean, I might even say the one in Pittsburgh just because it was the first time I heard Spit Out the Bone. And that was the fingers crossed favorite song off of Hardwired. And I want killing to hear that live. And so they, they pulled that out. And that was just, I mean, that was what made the concert for me. And uh, if you do a podcast like Alf Metallica, what, what's a band you could do it on? Um, it's probably, There's a few. The the one I could definitely do is a um, smaller band called Our Last Night. Not, Huge heard, fan not, of not heard of them. They're uh, definitely, I'd say they're kind of like your wave of like the 2010, 2013 metalcore bands. Okay. Um, or a band called Beartooth. Huge okay. fan of theirs. Beartooth. I'll check them yeah. out, man. Yeah, people always give cool bands at that question, so uh, I always like to ask if there's a Beartooth podcast going down and anyone wants to get in touch. How do they get in touch with you in general, man? For me? Yeah, is there anything you'd like to promote or...? Uh, of course. Um, love to promote my wonderful band. Um, we're called Divine by Night. Um, we can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, pretty much any social media, all at Divine by Night. Um, if you're willing to check out our music, that'd be awesome. If not, that's all right. Well, uh, again, this has been great going through this sweet Savage song. Um, appetite out, appetite question, appetite uh, review episode coming soon as well on the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash alphabetallica if you want to help support the show. Uh, we will have merch coming soon as well. Um, let us know what you thought about the song down below. Um, you know, again, subscribe, support in any way you can. Really appreciate it. Um, James, again, thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.